the sticks and taps. Where we're talking hockey, bit of the Irish crack, and raising points. Yours truly, Mr. Paul Cooper, holding down the staffs board here in New York and America. It's time to bring in me drink and powder for the Great White North just outside of the beautiful city of Ottawa, Mr. Liam McGuire. Bartender, six points, two shots, and a ride home. How are we doing, Liam? <laughs> Yeah, that's it, brother, right there, man. You nailed it. <laughs> Especially on a Friday, buddy. Got to kick the Especially weekend on a Friday. off, right? I know. I know. I'm going to fall into a bar somewhere later. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, was, uh, that's good, pal. That's good, man. Hey, great to see you. Holy lifting. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're shrinking away to nothing, buddy. <laughs> if anybody follows uh, me and Liam on Twitter, you, you saw the exchange this week is... I'm trying to get me fat arse back into shape, as they say in Ireland. You fat arse. You huge arse yeah. you have there. <laughs> so, yeah, buddy, uh, I, I signed up with a personal trainer here. I, I'll give a shout-out to uh, Beach Fit here in Oceanside, New York, on Long Island. And um, my awesome. trainer, Mike, and two weeks in, buddy, and, and meeting a nutritionist. And I'm six pounds down, buddy. I'm on my way. I, I think that's fantastic. I, I mean that sincerely. I think that is fantastic. I mean, it, you know... Six pounds. That's not an insignificant number. It's, uh, I had a, you know, I, my weight I always fainted in the bathroom this morning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like most nights I seem to put on six and then, uh, and then, and then I, then I take a leak. <laughs> and it all goes. <laughs> Where's Liam? He'll be out the, the bathroom in a half hour. Eh? He's losing weight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Hey, man, seriously, uh, I've done the personal training thing before. We had a deal years ago. Um, I was editor of a, of a local minor hockey paper here in Ottawa called Center Ice. And one of our advertisers was um, was a place called Executive Fitness. It's actually owned by a friend of mine. He was one of he was a partner in it named Dennis Giacobbe, because I know we have people from the Ottawa area who listen. And will know Dennis very well. He's kind of a local legend, hell of a hockey player in his day, tough as nails, incredible athlete and uh and he opened up this business about probably 12 13 years ago so i trained there with a personal trainer uh named ryan luck i was i trained with him for about a year and boy oh boy was it fun uh i mean yeah i uh, definitely hated leg day can tell you like yeah. most guys but um but it was uh just just an incredible difference as a guy that i've always fairly been sort of a self-motivated guy for most things it's never really been an issue for me in that sense, but having a trainer and you just touched on it before we came on the air here, just the difference of having a guy saying, okay, this is the next one. This is what you're doing. And, and just right there, sort of over you, kind of like a drill sergeant, I think for lack of a better term, I mean, it's not standing there hammering you, but I mean, it's, Hey, this is what you're doing next. Let's go. Give us your best. Let's go sort of thing. And look at the results, Paulie. Yeah. No, Six it's... pounds in two weeks. I, I think that's absolutely fabulous. And this... you, you must be thrilled. You have yeah. to be thrilled. I am, and here's the other reason I'm thrilled about it, too. What they do here is it's different. It's not like a, a gym where you're getting on a treadmill and you're doing squats and all this stuff. It's um, I never heard of this before. I think it's called the TRX system, and it's uh, belts. And uh, a bunch of Navy SEALs developed this when they were overseas years ago. Yeah. So they could train yeah. in combat zones. So it's all your it's all your full body weight. That's what yeah. you're using. And it's yeah. it's fantastic. It's, it's 30 no, I minutes never, hard. I, I, I never – I hardly ever did a weight uh, when when – you know, when I went in there the first time, my personal trainer, Ryan there, and this was about 10 years ago, and now 
10, 11 years ago. And, you know, I had a weight belt and I was getting ready, you know, okay, when, when are we doing the curls here? You know, I got to get, <laughs> get the gun show going and, you know, I got to get on the bench press there, man. I want to come on. I want to see PB. And he says, what? Throw that belt away. Number one, <laughs> number two, we're going to, you know, and there was all the exercises, which you are so often just involved body weight and, and using, you know, different, different types of exercises to use your body weight. And it sounds like this, it's, this, this scene is, is very similar. I've seen it advertised. You and I have talked about this and I'm pretty sure I have anyway. I think I've seen it at, at some, whether it be infomercials or commercials or what have you, but uh, I have seen this. I've seen it somewhere. Maybe it's online. I'm not sure, but anything anybody does is fantastic. But I, I just think this is, I'm thrilled for you, man, because I know you've wanted this and now you're into it. You're a couple weeks in and you're getting the results. It's great. Hey, another two months or so, and uh, maybe I get down to two twenty. Maybe put a little muscle, get on on, on the on the bones here, and uh, get on the skates, and I can shoot up there and maybe help out the Ottawa Senators who might need a couple players in the lineup. <laughs> yeah, they're looking for a few good men right oh, now. Man. I can tell you. Holy oh. cow! Uh, you know they're on the verge. I think, Paulie. I wonder uh, on the local radio today they were discussing it. Well, where is the line as to when a team has lost its its competitive balance? Mm-hmm. By not being able to dress enough capable guys because you're just continually having to go to Belleville and bring up guys from the American Hockey League. And they're even saying today that look, it's a situation on defense right now that some of the guys that have contracts in Belleville do not have NHL contracts. They have American Hockey League contracts. Wow. For them even to be used by the Senators, they would have to be signed to an NHL contract. Just all sorts of other liabilities and different circumstances and We've already got the worst owner in the history of pro sports who's, who's, who's you know, I mean, this, this, this guy, some now, of Liam, his come moves, on, tell us how you really comments. feel. Tell us how you honestly I, feel. I know, I know, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind Don't of beating around the back, bush. Buddy. But <laughs> let's just say um, frugal is something that definitely, if you look under the dictionary, his picture is there. And, and for the extra costs alone, on the payroll, which was also discussed today uh, uh, by the local media, my good friend Sean Simpson brought that point up, and I thought, wow, that's a good point, man. you got a half dozen guys in the lineup that are only in because you've got regulars that are out for COVID protocol. Mm-hmm. So it's, um, you know what, you know, Paulie, they got shut out last night by L.A. 2-0 in a game they probably deserved a better fate, and even the game before against Boston, you could make the case they deserved a better fate, both regular regulation losses. And that was Ottawa's first time being shut out in, in uh, 77 games, which I, 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 I wasn't aware of this. That it was the long, that's the longest such streak in the NHL at that time. So they've been able to score at the very least, despite not being a good team, really, for four years, now five. And uh, if they didn't have enough going wrong for them, then you, then you, you throw in. Uh, I mean, they're right there with San Jose now as the two teams that have been hit the hardest so far this year in this very early part of the season. And. We'll just have to hope that, uh, I mean, there's been some other individuals right here and there and different teams have had to go into protocol. You know that, I know that, but uh, uh, no one's been in as hard as San Jose and Ottawa. And I just say they made a good point. I mean, literally going day to day here to see if any other names are going to get out of it. They got two games this weekend. You got the Penguins and you got the Calgary Flames on a uh, sort of late afternoon, early evening on a Sunday with, with Calgary at five o'clock, like two games in a short period of time. And, and you still got all these guys out. So, so um Tough times, tough times in Sensland. So yeah, if you can uh, 
you get the skates going, buddy, they may sign you for sure. If not, I hear you're going to be doing some senior hockey this week, and maybe they get uh, some scouts over to watch you and the guys. What's going oh, on Pat, over there, I, buddy? I, I am so looking forward to watching this. Um, senior hockey, first of all, wasn't just huge in our area. It was huge across Canada. Like The Allen Cup started in um, late like 1900, uh, before 1910, I think 1908, 1907, somewhere in that area, the Allen Cup, which is basically what referred to as senior AAA, the top line senior hockey. It's all there was for senior hockey. You competed for the Allen Cup. And then for years, the on the Olympic year, if you were the previous year's Allen Cup champion, you went and represented Canada at the Olympics. It was that way until 1964 when we put our first national team together. And then that, of course, we, as we know, that changed in 98 when all NHL players were allowed. Up until then, there were sporadically some could get in, different reasons, different rules and things of that nature. But senior got so big, Polly, that in the late 60s and early 70s, they, they went to another classification called the AA and brought in another trophy called the Hardy Cup uh, for senior AA hockey. So I'm not sure what level this is at. I'm going to see my first game tomorrow in a town called Chesterville which is about probably about uh, 40 minutes uh, south of me here, heading back towards the American border there. And, and uh, they play whole, uh, this league, I, I think, has eight teams, if I'm not mistaken. So they're going by the name, I believe, the Increment Rockets, which is, a, which, is, which is another town that was legendary in the late 40s, early 50s as a junior team. They made it all the way to the Memorial Cup semifinals, a little farming hamlet wow. south of Ottawa. So... Anyway, long story short, they invited me out there tomorrow. I'm going out and um, I'm bringing some books and and uh, the Ogie book, and we're going to talk some hockey and the intermissions there. They're setting up a microphone. They've got a bar, which of course is great. And uh, <laughs> wasn't, you know, that, this is, wasn't this that part is, of um, your rider to get to, to yeah. be invited? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one. It's one of two. A bowl of M and M's and a stock bar. <laughs> you know, it reminds me reminds me of some of the weddings I've gone to over the years. We have this archaic backward ass thinking really only exists i think in the province of ontario and it permanent permeated its way through some weddings that were organized in the last 20 30 40 years or before i only started going to weddings maybe say 40 years ago and where where during the meal the bar would be shut down at, at a wedding they would shut the bar down you couldn't get a drink if you were a wine drinker, it was fine because it'd be wine, but you couldn't get a pint, or you certainly couldn't get a rum or a vodka or whatever. So, you know, I'm 23, 24, 25, going to a wedding, they're shutting a bar down. I don't drink wine. And, and I, I said to the fellow, I said, well, look it, what are you, what are you trying to tell me here? Like, I, I want to have a beer at my meal. I'm here for this event, and I want a pint. And he said, well, you can't get one. I said, buddy, it's one of two ways. Either get me a pint right now or I'm going out to my truck and I'm bringing one in. <laughs> and and uh, so, you know, caused a big scene, which I didn't want to do. But I think, you know, my only point was, like, I just want a couple pints during supper. You're going to open the bar up right after. Uh -huh. So, yeah, you calling it a rider? Yeah, I guess you could say so. But, I mean, if the place isn't licensed, Polly, have no fear, kid. I've always got something in the back of the truck. <laughs> always ready for for like a national, a natural disaster. Or something. Yeah, An I dropped one invasion. one time. Eh? I brought, I brought a couple in one time and dropped it in the, on the floor. It was a can, and so I booted it across the floor. and And one of the dads came over and uh, ripped me a new one. Rightfully so, may I add. Mm -hmm. I was definitely in the wrong on that. And I just, I'm so pissed off. Going, are you kidding me right now? 
just want a cold beer during dinner. I'm drinking 100 during the day. I don't drink wine. I'm not a wine drinker, you know? Mm-hmm. I couldn't get anything else. Anyway, I dropped the pint. And uh, later that night, you know, there was uh, the garter throwing incident. And it was, uh, it was up on. in the air. Hold on. Like, just let me, hold on. Let me bring a little bit of music up while you're talking about this now. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of important. Is that, is that Titanic or something? So, you know where the... Uh, who throws it anyway? The guy or the girl? It's the girl, right? Oh, I know why she does that to the girls. What does the guy throw? He throws something. Anyways, uh, I went to grab it, and uh, I got smoked from behind. This is all the same night. Guy drilled me from behind, and oh, uh, no. so one of my buddies drilled him, and we had an altercation at the wedding, and then uh, the wedding cake got demoed, and and uh, yeah, that was a bad scene. Anyways, yeah, this sounds about going. right. What we got playing back now, I can see the chairs being thrown, <laughs> fists flying, screaming and yelling. Johnny, Johnny and the band playing on. <laughs> Johnny, I'm still, I'm still so sad, so sorry about that, but all I, all I can say is, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> Well, I tell you, I don't know if you've ever attended a, a, a wedding in Ireland. I have not. All right, so quick story before we, uh, we move on here. So my cousin John, uh, I met him physically maybe two or three times over the course when we were, I was like 21 to, you know, 25 or whatever, and um, him coming over here, me going over to Ireland and everything. So anyway, he asked me to be his best man at his wedding um, in, in, I think it was up in Sligo. So he asked me to be his best man number one, and the best man at an Irish wedding is huge. You gotta, you have to do this huge speech and stuff, you know. And I only met John as a as a young kid a couple of trips. I didn't have this whole long, you know, yeah. experience of uh, you know memories and stuff with him. But anyway, so you're talking about getting a pint at, a, at this wedding. This thing started far, as far as I'm concerned. It started the night before and went to yeah. about four in the morning. Right? <laughs> I was in bits at the church the next morning. Right? Like, I thought I was yeah. going to have to go to the hospital. That's how bad it was. And then, from out of the church, the first pint, and it was all day. There was no <laughs> there was no little break for pictures or whatever. It was all day. And they had the catering. You know, like, normal catering hall, like, here in the States, yeah. you rent it. You do, like, a, an hour cocktail and a four-hour reception. And then sometimes you have an after party or whatever. This thing was freaking, like, 16 hours long. Wow. It was in bits. Drunk what year was that? Any idea what year that was? That was um, that was two thousand, I believe. Yeah, it's not that long ago, no, really. No, it's not. Two thousand, two thousand one, the latest. Yeah, it was, uh, it was before nine eleven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So was, yeah, nine nine two thousand. Wow. Yeah. What a great story. Oh. You know, there's there's a, there's a difference right there, right? That's a difference right there. Just archaic, backward-ass thinking here in this province. On it's only coast. here. There's no On other the province that does it in Canada. It's only Ontario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's only Ontario. You got to move, buddy. You got to get out of there. Well, <laughs> I'm in a good part of the province. It's just they have some archaic laws, that's all, or <laughs> rules, or regulations, or crap like that. So, All right, mate. Let's get into the hockey here. Let's talk some hockey. Okay, um, I mean, real quick, last night, a couple of big games there. Uh, always a great schedule there, uh, you know, with Thursday nights. The Avs put up a seven spot against the Canucks there, and Devs, yeah. look at the Devils, man. Two of the best teams are knocking off. Four nothing against the Islanders. Give me a break. <laughs> and I believe your Habs won. Congratulations. Did they? <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't think McDavid video. scored tonight. What's his problem? <laughs> I know. 
I know. Uh, it was really it was a Leon Dreisaitl uh, show last night, man, with two goals and a helper. McDavid, of course, kept his streak alive, and that was a big win by Edmonton. And the Bruins have sort of very quietly slipped a little bit here. You know, I mean, it's unbelievable. You look at some of the teams, and you mentioned the Islanders, who are already falling three, four points, five points, three points, you know, out of that wild card spot. Forget about top four in a division. Like, out of the wild card spot already. So, it's it's going to be a bitch, man. For some of these teams, I mean, this becomes so difficult. Anyways, we'll we'll discuss that more when we get past American Thanksgiving because that's really sort of a benchmark, at least the first one of the season. Mm-hmm. Then you kind of roll right to the right to the All Star break, which this year, of course, we've got also the Olympic break. Hopefully, COVID doesn't uh, interfere in that, and then uh, you know we'll have a, a certainly a real good idea by then. But uh, yeah, man, uh, you know, big win by Edmonton. And a uh, huge game by the uh, by Dreisaitl, but uh, Connor played great too. Like here's the difference, okay? Dreisaitl gets that giveaway from um, Carlo, like that, like it was a gift, right? It was literally a gift that you didn't even have to take time to open. He just put it on his stick. He couldn't have he couldn't have set him up even any any more if it was possible. Mm-hmm. And and Dreisaitl fires at home. Connor. Goes through, you know, pretty much the whole Bruin team. Goes in, ding, 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 and hits it off the post. Like, this is the point I was trying to make when I wrote on social media, and we discussed it last week. It's that Connor's talent level is, like, here, and my hand's over my head. Mm-hmm. And Leon Dreisaitl is just a, just an absolute beast on the ice. But the talent is different, you know? But anyways, they, they are complimenting each other. And it's going to be fun to watch. Because um, even the goal Hyman scored last night. Two big keys in that game were how quickly Edmonton scored after giving up the lead both times to Boston. And then they came on to get the win. I don't know what the hell happened to Vancouver. I only saw about 10 minutes of that game. By the time I turned it on, they were already getting smoked. And they scored to make it uh, 6-1. They ended up losing 7-1. It's weird, eh, Paulie, even to see it? Like on this, in the, in the next, like you're watching, the, you're looking at the summaries, you're getting the mm-hmm. highlights, whatever you're watching, checking stats, and you see a game 7-1. Holy Jesus, what the hell? Yeah. What the hell happened there? So bizarre. But, uh, no, the two big stories last night, and we're doing a weekly show, but really, this is probably two of the biggest in the last seven days, and they happen to come last night, so it's fortuitous we're talking about it today, but uh, the Colby Cave trib- tribute uh, in Boston, in mm-hmm. fact, in that game, his wife Emily uh, came out and dropped the puck, and I'll tell you what, man, uh, She uh, Patrice Bergeron, Connor McDavid, see, Colby Cave signed as a free agent with the Bruins, he was claimed by the Oilers. He was on their in their farm team, I believe, or just finishing, or would played with them when he had headaches and went into the hospital. They found a cyst on his brain. They removed it. He went into a, uh, I think they induced the coma, and then you know was bleeding on the brain, and he died a few days later on April 11, 2000, the age of 25 years old. I'm watching his wife at Santa Rice last night hugging Bergeron McDavid. I did, like she hugged Bergeron. That was a long hug, man. And mm-hmm. and then she dropped the puck, and they hugged her again, and she walked back. And three or four of the Oilers, who I guess had probably befriended Colby, came over. Look, if anybody's listening to this and they haven't seen the video, go and watch it. It really is worth it. It's only a few minutes long. But the one that got me for sure, hey, I'm getting older. You get a little more sentimental. But the thing is, this guy, Paulie, was, was uh, two years older than my son, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're getting in the same snack bracket here. You know, my son was here, stayed here the other night because I was getting the snow tires on for him the next day. And he's, he's, he's still my son, you know, even though he's, he's 25 years old now, and my daughter's 24. They, to me, I can look at them and they're still your kid's age or yeah. back when they were in grade three or four, you know, it just seems like 
So Colby, uh, when his wife went off the ice, every single Bruin hugged her. And the last guy was Marshawn. And you could tell it was emotional for mm-hmm. both of them. And uh, it was that was emotional to watch. And that was definitely, I think, the story of the night. Uh, no question about it. Notwithstanding, Zach Fucali. I mean, there's a feel-good story from from one who? that was just done right. Who are done you talking right. about? Yeah, Zach right, who? exactly. <laughs> Zach Fucali. You know, What'd you call me? Here's a guy what calling. did you just call me? That sounds mean. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an Italian swear word. Yeah, but I mean, mean, he's get out of the way. Go away there, you you vocali. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. But here's a kid, 26 years old. I sound like Chris Collingsworth. Here, take here's a guy. (laughs) Here's a guy who was drafted 167th overall. You know, by the Montreal Canadiens. He plays for. Four or five American Hockey League teams. He plays for four or five East Coast Hockey League teams. He never gets a sniff in the NHL. The Capitals rescue him from the heap, and he gets his first NHL start last night, and he becomes the 21st goaltender since 1917 to record a shutout in his first NHL start starting the game. Uh, I mean, it's just trip. an incredible story. Ovi didn't score. It would have really cemented the fact, you know, he picked up an assist. But um, actually, the Capitals got their two goals in 10 seconds. They beat Detroit 2-0, who've been playing really well. And that was a hell of a hell of a game. And uh, Vicali, uh, I think uh, the Colby Cave tribute and the Vicali shutout last night are probably the two biggest stories of the week. And they both happened last night. And and Ottawa getting shut out for the first time in 77 games and having nine guys. It's like everything waited for our show, Polly. Yeah, man. I mean, you know. You know? <laughs> Waiting for sticks and taps to chime in. Yeah, but yeah, Word's was, getting um, around, Liam. Word's getting around. Yeah, word's getting around, buddy. That's it, man. Yeah, people <laughs> are checking us out to see what time the bar is open, probably more than anything. So, But, uh, no, that was incredible stuff last night. Uh, a lot of optics that, that were good and, and some emotional and, and, uh, you know, in Ottawa's case, obviously, they just couldn't buy a goal. I mean, they're hitting posts and crossbars and great chances. And then L.A. had come down and score. They won 2 nothing, uh, one power play goal. And L.A.'s played well. I mean, they've wow, won seven yeah. in a row. Don't get Big me wrong. Time. But yeah. the Sens are doing it. There's ice in a lineup right now on smoke and mirrors. And, 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 of course, you know the way it works under protocol. It's not like most of these guys don't have COVID. They've got, they've got the tracing. They've tested positive. There's no symptoms. But, they, you know, you, you got to stay away. Till they figure it out, right? Do you get a negative test or more, more testing or any symptoms? And you certainly can't be. So they haven't practiced now for three days. They've canceled practice again today. That's three days in a row without a morning skate practice or anything. So that's my point. As I said off the top here, uh, at some point here, if these names keep getting added to the list, you've got you've to think about a competitive balance here is where, hey, look, I mean, my goodness, we've had games canceled before, postponed, I should say, before. And even, you know, I mean, we all know what's happened the last two years here, COVID-related. So I don't think the worst-case scenario really would be to look at maybe giving Ottawa a break and let's say, let's let's gas a couple of these games here on the schedule, especially if this number doesn't go down. I know San Jose went ahead and played. And I know other teams have missed some big names that have had to sit out for COVID protocol. I know that. But this is nine guys right now. I mean, there comes a point. Like, what's the line? 
What if it turns into 13 or 14? What are you going to do? Just bring up Belleville? Like, you can't do that. So they're supposed to play games too, right? So they've got, you know, so it's a mess right now here. And, of course, the worst case is that they, of course, they can't buy a win. They've lost five or six in a row. They're right down at the bottom. They're just treading water. I mean, mind you, Montreal just just went ahead of them last night in the standings. So. <laughs> Happy days. Happy days. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, you know what? That was a hell of a game, though, to watch. I mean, Montreal will win a game every six or seven, whatever it is. They're they're going to have a tough year. I think we're kind of, that's we're kind of settling into that fact. But that was a fun game to watch last night. Like Gallagher got that power play goal, and all hell broke loose. Good Bradson smokes him. Actually caught him right. Looked like in the neck. Maybe it was just in the collarbone area where the top of the shoulder pad comes. I'm not quite sure. Even on the replay, slowed down. It's hard to see where the contact was made, but he smokes him. Tyler Toffoli comes in, smokes Branson, and everybody comes comes piling in. I mean, it's one of those ones where you want to just go right through the screen. Like, you just you just want to teleport yourself right in the middle of that and just start swinging on something, you know. <laughs> just the frustration level is so high watching that. As a Hab fan, it's been such a tough start to the year. And I'm settling into the fact it's going to be a brutal season. But you watch that, and Gallagher takes so much abuse. And I know he goes to the front of the net, but, you know, he's not a Chris Kreider. He's not hurting goalies, really, like Kreider always does. He just he just parks his ass in there, and he gets more goals disallowed, and he gets hammered more than anybody in front of the net. And that was just a and Good Bradson's an Ottawa guy, and I know I know his father. <laughs> <laughs> his dad's name is Wayne, and he's a friend of mine. <laughs> his son is smoking Gallagher last night. Oh Jesus, what yeah. the hell is going on here, Wayne? Only lifting. But, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it was, I tell you what, that was a fun couple of minutes to watch because back in the day, it would have been a full scale line brawl. Maybe even the benches would have emptied had it been yeah. the 70s. But, uh, but it was, it was, I'll tell you, it sounded like the building was just going crazy. And the Habs kind of fed off that, you mm-hmm. know, because they trailed in that game twice and came back, which they haven't done all year. So, but I mean, what the hell, eh? Take the wins where you can get them. Yeah, no, great <laughs> stuff. All your stuff. You're going to love seeing it there in Bell Center, too, man. And hey, look, against the Flames team, this has been playing pretty well. Um, you mentioned the Kings there, too. The Panthers have cooled down. They're putting a bucket load of shots on net, but they've uh, lost three of the shootout, shootout last, last night to the Penguins. And then um, Blues got cooled off by the Preds. And then the, um, the Knights cooled down the Wild. And then I want to swing into the Ducks, who put up a seven spot as well against oh, yeah. the Kraken, obviously. <laughs> but uh, I know you wanted to talk about Tony Terry picking up his 10th and 11th goals last night. And this all in the midst of, obviously, uh, Bob Murray having to resign as well with Anaheim. Yeah, yeah. You know, first of all, the deal with the Murray thing, because I want to, you know, we do a weekly here on Sticks and Tops, you and I, and I'd like to think what we did a couple weeks ago on the whole Chicago thing. I think we paid it its due as much as we could, sort of being late to the party, but definitely given our thoughts on it, I thought we did a good job of that. And what we've seen since then, Paulie, the point I wanted to make about that, first of all, Bob Murray resignation, uh, and then immediately checking into, in his case, his own. Uh, in, in his case, he he's, he's going in for, uh, you know, for alcoholism. So that's what he's going to uh, to work on. But he has resigned his position as the um, uh, VP and and general manager of uh, of Anaheim, and and here they are with I think six wins in a row. And and uh, Terry is it Tony or Troy? What's his first name? Um, I think it's Tony. Hang on a second. I think it's Troy, but I may be I may be wrong. But uh, it is, does does start with a T. So it's I think Troy. we've got that it's much. Troy right. Terry. Did yeah, I say Troy. Tony? I thought it was Troy Terry. I remember him from the World Juniors because he that year in 2017 when the states won the World Juniors, they beat Canada in the shootout. He got the shootout winner. 
But it was a game before when they beat Russia 3-2 in the semifinals. That game went to a shootout. It was one of those ones got extended for like half an hour. And he just, he pulled a, uh, you know, he pulled a, a, an Oshi from, from the Olympics there for the Americans against the Russians. Or he pulled a Jonathan Taves for Canada uh, against the Americans all those years ago. I think in 04, 05 in the World Juniors. Where, you, see, after you go through the required number of shooters, you can reuse guys. Yeah. You just keep using them. And they kept using Troy Terry and he kept scoring. He went on the Russians every time he went down, he scored. And, and um, this guy's unbelievable. But, you know, he, he's, he's, a, he's a, uh, like a later round draft pick who scored four goals each of his first two NHL stints, like 30 and 50 games respectively, plus plus, right? Four goals. Like he's an afterthought. He's working his way. He's, he's, he's 18, 19, 19, 20, 20, 21, scoring four, five, six, seven goals. Now he's 24. Yeah. You know, the guy is is coming into his own, must probably had a fantastic summer, notwithstanding the Bob Murray situation, enjoying, you know, there's a bit of renaissance here in Anaheim, really probably their best sort of bounce back off the trampoline since their Stanley Cup in 07, because they kind of had a had a pretty, they, they had a hangover, successful hangover mm-hmm. phase from that for a number of years. With the with the backbone, right? With your Corey Perry's and Ryan Getzlaff's and 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 you know Chris Prongers and Niedermeyer's and these guys, it carried the mail there for a little bit of time till everybody dissipated and moved on. Terry, Troy, Terry. First of all, Paul, he's got a 13 game point scoring streak. I mean, it's the longest in the NHL right now because David hasn't played that many games yet, but because uh, he's got a point in every game. But give credit for that. He's only six back of the, which is a lot. But Corey Perry's got the uh, the Anaheim record. Anyway, I watched Terry uh, play. I've watched Anaheim play about three times so far this year. You can't take your eyes off the kid. And it's just, you know, here's a guy, later round pick, and he's coming into his own. It's just a point on that, folks. Whoever you cheer for, you know, if they're 19 or 20 or 21, this poor kid now in Ottawa, Stutzla, is starting to get hammered because he hasn't scored yet. He's got more talent in his fingers, baby finger, than than three quarters of that roster. But he hasn't scored yet. You can see he's starting to grip the stick. Got Cole Caulfield in Montreal, 20 years old, down in the American Hockey League. Just the confidence is shot right now. And he'll bounce back. These kids are so talented. They're going to bounce back. And if you need an example of that, look what Troy Terry is doing right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you get a chance, I know they play late typically, unless they're on the road in the East. So most people wouldn't think to watch an Anaheim game. Hey, man, throw an eye, throw an eyeball on them for a period. You won't be disappointed. They play in an exciting brand of hockey. Them and LA both. They play a fantastic transition game. They own the neutral zone. They 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 create turnovers. Look the hell out. They are coming gangbusters at you. And they're and LA's doing this without Drew Doughty, who had one of the best starts of his career. Mm-hmm. Like he was being significantly talked about for the Canadian Olympic team at whatever he is, 32, you know, 33. And then he got hurt, probably still going to get a look anyway. Having said that, you know, Anaheim, L.A., Detroit, uh, these teams weren't being talked about at the start of no, the year. Not at all. As as uh, maybe maybe going to be now, you know, we're 10, 12 games in. So everybody, you know, have a Coke and a smile. And I need to do that, too. <laughs> but uh uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Troy Terry, I you cannot watch a game and and not be impressed by how he's playing hockey right now. He is exceptional right now, and uh, I just think it's great to see. 
As a fan of the guy going back, even the U18s for the States, they won that. Like, he's he's a blue chipper coming up. He was at that American uh, national team development program. So he didn't just come out of left field here. But when you're, a, when you're a mid to late round pick in the NHL, and then you start your career playing 32, 33 games and score four goals, and then you play another 25 or 30 more than that the next year, and you still only score four goals, <laughs> not a lot of people are going to have you on the radar screen. So, you know, I just think he's 24 coming into his own, and it's, and it's really, really good to see. Really yeah, is. and you talk about patience, you know, just, uh, you know, as you're talking there about uh, Terry here as well. Troy Terry, ladies and gentlemen. I called him Tony. I don't Troy know. Terry, yeah. Because my, son, sure my son's name is Anthony. Thing. Some people call him Tony, so I have it on my brain there. But um, what, do you, what do you call him? Oh, I'd never call him Tony. I call him Anthony. Call him Anthony? Yeah, I always yeah. call him Anthony, yeah. What about his friends? Uh, it's funny, his, uh, no, his friends call him Anthony, but as some of his teachers and stuff and coaches and stuff, they'll call him Tony. Yeah. 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 Yeah, there's some guys that they, they've actually they've uh, they've always stayed Anthony. You know, yeah. they just wanted that, they liked it, and they wanted it. And then mo- uh, uh, most guys, I think, just gravitate to Tony. It's a natural. I mean, it's part of the it's the nickname of Anthony, right? I think so, as he gets older, it'll be more of a thing. I mean, he I, I named him after my um my uncle Anthony from from Dublin, who passed away from okay. cancer unfortunately about 13, 14 years ago. Uh, okay. One of my faves, you know, uh, musician yeah. and just a super guy and everything. Great laugh. God, I wish if you met him, you'd, you'd love him. So uh, yeah. he's named okay. after him. But getting back to what you were talking about with Terry here, I was, you know, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about Capo, um, Caco here and, yeah. and Lafreniere. Absolutely. And Lafreniere. The whole fan yeah. base is, is just, you know, I mean, even Gallant's getting in trouble now with the ice time again and, and finding a spot yeah. to get these guys in there. And it's, uh, you know, I, as a Ranger fan here too, I mean, I'm, you know, I don't know if Capo's going to be the bust. I, you know, we'll see what happens. I know it's very early still in his career, but, um, man, I'd, I think I'd just run Laffy all night. I just think he's got it. He just – they got to get him in there. It's tough, though, man, with the, the number the, – the big guys up front and the way some of the guys have been playing, obviously. And, but, man, to see yeah. him on a third or fourth line with Heedle, and they're just so talented. And it's, um, you know, know. Gallant's – it seems to be the same thing. That we were on, we, you know, when Galan comes in here, you think you're going to see something different. And it seems to be the yep. same kind of mold that Quinn was using. So, I don't know. I guess they'll figure it out one way or the other. You, you know, but to, to your point, and, and it's a great reference that's right in your backyard. And you, you cover the Rangers uh, pretty hard. So, you would follow those guys. And, you know, and, and both of them have given where they were selected in the draft. And the expectations are always going to be so much, right? And because of the few 18 or 19-year-olds that have come on, and we know those, the ones we forget about are the countless quadruple the number that take that much longer. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, in Troy Terry's case, he didn't go first or second overall. So maybe the the growth pattern is kind of in tune with what maybe they expected in Anaheim, you know, when they scouted him and said, going to take some time. He's not a power forward not running people over, so you got to let him come into his own and get comfortable in the game. Even watching Nick Suzuki last night in Montreal, uh, he got off to a slow start. I mean, the whole Habs, I mean, the Habs season's been disastrous, right? He's been one of the bright lights. He's averaging almost a point a game. But watching him already in just a couple short seasons here, and even in the confines of this particular year so far, and Montreal's played more games than anybody in the league right now at 15 games, and you watch even right now, the weight that's on all of their shoulders because they are so terrible and seeing him bear down on draws and try to improve himself in the faceoff dot and the little things that he's doing. The goal he scored last night 
you know, it was pure, pure bravado, really, mm-hmm. to bank it in like that. Uh, I mean, that was just an incredible play by him. And, you know, these guys, there's just so much expected of them immediately, immediately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I hear what you're saying, you know, about Capo and, and, and Jason. And I'm, you know, you know I'm, I'm a massive Lafreniere fan. I mean, what that guy did for Canada and the World Juniors, I will never, ever, ever forget. I know he wasn't alone there, but it, 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 there's just there's no doubt in my mind he's a blue chipper. He is going to be a significant part of a, what I think is going to be a hell of a hockey club mm-hmm. with the Rangers. I really think it's going to be. Just Turkin is the real deal. I really think he is. And and I look at Turkey Gallant can coach, you know, despite what happened and plays, you know, uh, other teams and and, Carolina, and, and what yeah. have you. I mean, the, no, the guy the guy can coach. He comes oh. from it honestly. It's in his blood. He's a hockey lifer. He's a you know. And they're going to get, you know, they're right there. They're right there. They've had, they've really been, it's been peaks and valleys, eh, with the Rangers this year. So it's either, it's either all, well, be, you're all in or you're all down. They better help him out, Chesty in front. He's facing a lot of rubber, man. He'll be burnt out by Thanksgiving next week. No, I know. Man. I know. But you know what? Uh, yeah, you make a good point. Look how young those guys are still, even compared to Troy Terry. I, I know Troy was drafted later, but the point is, you got to give some of these guys till they're 22, 23, yeah, man. Yeah. Holy lifting. Think back to when you or I were 18 or 19 and then go forward five years. Mm-hmm. That's just anybody listening right now. Think about your own lives. Mm-hmm. Just because these guys play high-level athletics doesn't mean that they can transfer that to the top league in the world. Coming from NCAA, which, yeah, is great hockey or, or, or major junior A, great hockey, or maybe a Div 1 team over in Europe, great hockey. That ain't the NHL, baby. You know, yeah. it's not. It's the reason why it's the best league in the world. Yep. And, you know, for every Mario Lemieux and Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin and Evgeny Malkin, a slew of others who step in and, and are instant superstars, there's hundreds who have to pay a price, which is typically time. And and that's what's going to happen happen here in New York, for sure. No doubt. Hey, Liam, one more thing uh, with regards to uh, the Ducks here. Um, just to maybe just further comment a little more, and obviously uh, the uh, unfortunate off-ice news, off-ice news that we talked about briefly a little bit with Bob Murray. Yeah. Um, unfortunate news this week with, with a great class of um, guys going into the Hall of Fame, his former teammate there, uh, you know, Dougie Wilson going in. But I uh, just wanted to swing back if, if you just wanted to maybe um, make another comment on the fact that, like I said, his off-ice issues here and him resigning there in uh, Anaheim. I mean, they're running a great show right now, but obviously playing pretty well with it. But, Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if you wanted to just kind of put a bow on it. Yeah, no, I would, Paulie, for sure. And we'll get into the Hall of Fame and a couple other things as we as we wind up the show. Uh, um, you know, I, I just wanted to tie it back to when we did talk about Chicago. I alluded to the fact there a few minutes ago that I, I think we covered it off pretty good, as most people have at this point. And there's probably still more news to come out of that. You've got all of the John Doe 2 stuff is kind mm-hmm. of coming to the to the fore right now. But, you know, what we did say, Paulie, you and I, when we did discuss it that initial time, and the word now I am hearing has, this is spread to other leagues, right? This is spread to other sports. Yeah. And we got it even here, right here in Ottawa with our pro football team. Uh, we had a, a running back coach that was dismissed for using, excuse me, using um, harsh language or uh, not racist, but uh, um, inflammatory comments towards allegedly towards French-Canadian players on the team. And he's came public. He's been let go. He's apologized. But he said, you know, just to be fair, you know, this was a, this was a meeting, a video meeting, and I was trying to get the guys to quiet down. 
And my choice of words probably were, were wrong if these guys took it the way that they did. I said the wrong thing, and I apologize for that, and I was wrong. Like, he took, he took full, full responsibility for it. Mm-hmm. But at, at the same time, you know what's going on right now? And this is what you and I did touch on. I, I remember specifically verbalizing it to you is people are being believed. They're being believed. Mm-hmm. It goes back to the analogy I used there a few weeks ago about bullying. When a lot of, you know, the little Johnnies and the little Janies would go either to the teacher or the principal or their parents and say they were getting hit or hurt or verbal or physical or whatever the abuse was, the bullying was. Now, in this case, obviously much more even critical than, than, than bullying, as serious of, as, as a transgression as it's been in, 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 in recent times, sexual harassment, sexual assaults on, on all across the board and all of the discrimination, racisms and everything else, people that are saying that they've had issues are now being believed mm-hmm. left, right and center. And, and it's, um, look, you know, I mean, it's still everybody deserves their quote unquote day in court. There should never be witch hunts and rush the judgments and things mm-hmm. of that nature. Agreed. But the bottom line is, is that people are being believed. And and I think the incident that, uh, you know, um, I think Gary Bettman kind of touched on it. I know he's not exactly being looked upon in a very favorable light right now. But he did say, <laughs> look, uh, what he alluded to, I believe, if I'm in his diatribe there with Bill Daly sitting beside him, is that if you've got skeletons in the closet, I'm paraphrasing here, if you've got skeletons in the closet that you may want to uh, – you may want to try it. You may want to start thinking about exercising some of those demons here because because people are coming to the fore. This he just obviously was referring to the NHL, but as we've seen in in other leagues, be it NFL, NBA, CFL, and others, and other walks of life, uh, people are coming to the fore and they're being believed. And uh, this is this has uh, become a a pretty big a pretty big movement. And you know, if you think about it, yesterday, Paulie was a two year anniversary of Don Cherry being let go. On Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah. An icon, 34 years. And you look at how that all you know unfolded. And I wrote quite a piece about that on social media that week. That was one of the biggest reactions that I got in the 13 or 14 years I've been on various social media platforms since they've become part of our world. That was one of the biggest reaction ones that I got on, on what, I, what I wrote on Grapes after that all went down. We're two years removed from that. And... and the allegations there and the supposition and everything else that led to that towards what he had said and, and the, the, in, the indication of what, what it meant and, and, and how he, he, by not wanting to apologize and what that cost him after 34 years, having to leave hockey night in Canada is still being contested today. I, I don't, I think it was just a few hours ago that he stopped trending on Twitter for God's sake. I mean, all <laughs> yesterday he was one of the trends on Twitter grapes, yeah. right? So, so here we are, buddy. Anyway, yeah, that's all I really wanted to say about that. I mean, look, there's nothing good. I got Bob Murray. I, I think I met him once, and I know oh, we're going to switch into the Hall of Fame here, talk about the guys going in. They're going to get their due. Obviously, everything was canceled last year with COVID, the big mm-hmm. ceremony uh, that they typically have, the weekend in Toronto and all the rest. And and Doug Wilson and Bob Murray were teammates for years in Chicago. I mean, Bob Murray was hell of a hockey player. He played over 1,000 games for the Blackhawks. I mean, and, and, you know, here he is now as an executive in Anaheim, and they, they look like they're turning things around, and uh, and that's probably it, right, for his career. I mean, I don't think there have been any tag days for the guy. These guys have all done well financially. It's not that, but it's mm-hmm. it's the hit on the reputation, and, and now you got to go make yourself better. And he's already indicated, as he's stated publicly, he's going to 
um, go in for alcoholism and, 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 and work on cleaning that up. So we wish him the best and, and all the rest. But uh, the fact that people came forward from Anaheim clearly were believed as it was investigated. He was suspended and then subsequently resigned. So as we saw with Joel Quenville and, and obviously Stan Bowman and the entire group that were in that meeting, with the exception, I guess, of Kevin Shaveldayoff, have all uh, have all since moved on as well. So, so there we are, brother. Yep. It's uh, part and parcel eh, with the with the world today. And uh, uh, as I said, it even reached as far as the Ottawa Red Blacks here in the Canadian Football League, the CFL. And uh, uh, is it really we- a professional league, Liam? Is it really <laughs> professional? Is that the correct term? I know. <laughs> you know what you're saying. You're now, saying hold it on can't a second. They're only playing three downs, right? Yeah, it's well, only hold on. three downs. How can it be professional? They're only playing three downs. The size of the field is wrong. They've got a, an extra player. There's all there's 30 guys in motion before they even snap a ball. What the hell is going on out there? So I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But yeah, you know when you think of the uh, the guys that uh, you look at a guy like Doug Flutie who will forever be known yeah. for that Hail Mary in 84. Think he's and an the, Irishman himself there. Mr. Absolutely. Fuji. Absolutely ah. is. And the impact that man had in the CFL, you think of Joe Theismann in the early 70s. I mean, I could, I'm not even a football fan, and I can quote the guys that either coming or going came to the uh, to the CFL and, and had some level of impact. Warren um, Moon, baby. He was great, Warren too. Moon. Yeah. Holy cow. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Look at you, buddy, pulling oh, yeah. out the name. Your next thing you're going to start quoting Edmonton Eskimo stats. I know you are right now. <laughs> of course, you can't call them Eskimos anymore. That's not their name anymore. It's just like the Washington Football Club and the Edmonton Elks. And, you know, it's just the world we live in, brother. And it, uh, we're just trying, I guess, to make it all... Uh, safe and clean and homogenized and maybe some people have said the pendulum swinging a little too far too fast and i'm not strenuously disagreeing with that statement i i think at times we we have to be careful here the the court of public opinion on social media is is i mean the cancel culture are alive and well they are a tsunami on social media that fires up to a hundred foot wave in mere seconds at the, at the simplest suggestion of any impropriety, they are ready to launch themselves. The invective, the drooling from their mouth as they <laughs> scream with pitchforks and want everybody shot at dawn, hung at noon, castrated. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> You're trying I to love, calm me down. I love it when you take the church, that baby. you supposed to do. You, you're going to play that. You're hoping that I'm going to get off the gas, right? Is that, is that what's going on here? No. I, whenever you go to church, when you take us to church, buddy, that's coming up there. Okay. Oh. <laughs> hey, look, in all due respect to the CFL, I think going into this week, uh, there are 14 NFL teams with only three wins. So there's not there much go. going on down here in the States. They call themselves go. professionals yeah. as well, too. Unbelievable. Yeah. So, look, I tell you what, while we're playing a little bit of Irish music here, and we switch over to the... Ah, there you go. I, I'd like to think that Lanny McDonald might be playing this as he walks into the Hockey Hall of Fame. He, he's not going to oh, be there. This. He's not going to be there. Why Unbelievable. Not? Sicker than a dog. And he says it's non-COVID related, but he guess he's got a legit flu. And uh, so he doesn't want to travel. So he's going to miss his first one since he took over the presidency from Bill Hay. So uh, unfortunately, he's not going to be there. That's just I think that's relatively breaking news. But uh, so Lanny uh, will not be in attendance with his mustache and 
and all of his uh, all of his hockey acumen that he brings to the table Give me there. Something. Is, uh, Blanny was one of my favorite players growing up, um, and I yeah. love that Calgary team that won the cup and. Dougie yeah. Gilmore and Flurry, and it goes on and on, and Vernon and all those guys. Great stuff. But uh, give me something. Give me something. Maybe nobody knows about Lanny. Well, that sixty-six goal season sticks out like a sore thumb. I mean, the guy, the 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 guy, the guy was a goal scorer everywhere he went. Right. I mean, he played on that line. The Leafs with Errol Thompson and Daryl Sittler. They were an outstanding line that just kind of got swallowed up of what was going on with either the LCB line in Philly. Uh, the donut line in Montreal, whichever, whoever was at center between Pete Mahovlich, Jacques Lemaire, and uh, Pierre LaRouche with Lafleur and Shutt. Uh, uh, you had the tail end of, uh, of, uh, of, of, um, of Phil Esposito and Wayne Cashman and Ken Hodge in the early 70s. And, you know, you had the triple, tri- triple crown line coming in in L.A. But not to be outdone, I mean, Daryl is a Hall of Famer. Lanny's a Hall of Famer. Errol's not, but he complimented that line very well. He's a, he's a Bud the Spud from Prince Edward Island. And, and uh, and a good PI boy, but Lanny was on that line. He went to Colorado. He was coached by Don Cherry. He went to Calgary, as you said. He he busts out a 66 goal season. It's just unfreaking believable that year that he had. Uh, I'll tell you something. Um, well, I'll tell you this much: <clears throat> a lot of people erroneously think he scored the Cup winner for Calgary in '89. He did not. He scored in that game, but the Cup winning goal was scored by Doug Gilmore. I think the 66 goal season is is known by quite a few. Um, Beyond that, something else. Does he like a pint? He likes a pint. <laughs> he likes a pint. He's no stranger to a cold glass in his hand. He, uh, he's a, a Hannah Alberta boy. Uh, he's Western Canadian through and through. And he's tough as nails. I mean, there was a great video that went around at, at the conclusion of last hockey season because I think it hit the anniversary of it or whatever. It was a fight between Lanny McDonald and Billy Smith. And and uh, uh, I'll tell you what, Lanny had no problems dropping the gloves. Mm-hmm. No problems whatsoever. He was a way better fighter than probably a lot of people who only caught the tail end of his career had any idea about if you didn't see him play in the 70s when you had, you had to have your head on a swivel on, on any given shift, let alone game. So mm-hmm. oh, he was very tough. He had... That snapshot that he had, the way he cradled it off the toe and, and let her go, I think he had the best snapshot. Like Mike Bossy's release was quick and accurate, front of the net, bing, bang, boom, 50 goals all the time, we know. Lanny, he had that little cradle and snapped it. And, uh, you know, he had the big breakout year there. Otherwise, he wasn't ringing up the 50-goal seasons. But winning the Cup in 89, I mean, they lost to the Habs in 86. He scored. He got his um, 500th goal that same year. Like he got his 500th goal. His 1,000th point, his Stanley Cup, he scored in the final game, all in the same year. Yeah. His, his last season in the NHL. And, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, he got his 500th goal on March 21st, 1989 against Mark Fitzpatrick. Right, I'm pretty right. sure I, I, I re- I'm just going off the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, <but>. sure, yeah. <laughs> you know damn well that's right. <laughs> Ah, uh, there's a slim chance that may be 100% accurate, <laughs> but uh, you know what? Uh, uh, I've met Lanny a bunch of times, and and he, yeah, I've interviewed him a bunch of times, and uh, he, I've never had a night of drinking with him, so I can't say that I've actually officially sort of formally broke bread with him in that sense, but but we, we know 100 of the same guys, and uh, I've got nothing but respect for the man, and I, I just think he's a class act through and through, and he took over for Bill Hay, who's another Western Canadian guy. And 
That's who Lanny took over for as a president of the Hall of Fame. A lot of people think that means you vote. He doesn't. He is not mm -hmm. a voter. But, uh, um, you know, there you have it. So he uh, he's a treat, man. He's a beauty. And unfortunately, he will not be there uh, yeah. this weekend. He's, uh, he's sicker than a dog. That just came out on Twitter just a short while ago. So I just happened to see it. So it's funny you mentioned his name. Bummer. Well, I wish him the best there, getting well, and congrats to him. I'm going to throw the other names at you, and, and you give me yep. a couple of thoughts and, on anyone uh, that you want to here, or if you want to uh, mention something. Jerome McGinley, obviously, going in. Calgary Flame there, and, and you know, uh, tripping around there a little bit uh, at the end of his career. Never won a, a cup, but got close. Uh, yep. Kevin Lowe, obviously. Yeah. Uh, six cups, Oilers, and one with the Rangers here. My Rangers was a great year in 94. Uh, Marion Hosa. Uh, yeah. Dougie Wilson, as we mentioned before, and Ken Holland, obviously front office for the Wings, those great teams. And uh, and Kim St. Pierre. She's oh, going in sorry. for the ladies. I'm Kim St. Pierre. Uh, that no, that's, that's all good, pal. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty well, sure. Now, now I'm going to get a letter. Someone's <laughs> going to send me a letter. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? Well, good it's, on uh, you for keeping it straight, brother. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, I knew Kim was on the you're, list. You're, I've never, I've never met her, but she was a hell of a hockey player. Uh, I mean, these ladies that have gone in are, are, are tremendous athletes as well, so... Uh, good on them, and congratulations to her, and congratulations to the other guys. I mean, on that list, um, uh, Hosa, I met. Uh, Doug Wilson, I've met. Kevin Lowe, I don't think I ever formally met Kevin Lowe. And Jerome McGinley, I think I scrummed him once here in Ottawa. Jerome McGinley was my favorite player in the NHL for the bulk of the years that he played. Wow. I absolutely I that. love that guy. I'm a hardcore half fan, and yet Aginla was my favorite player. First of all, he always wore 12 where he could. Well, he bounced around on a lot of teams later on in his career, but, uh, uh, you know, he's always going to be remembered as a flame. He went to the finals in the flame, and in three out of those four series, he dropped the gloves. Like, as so many people talk yeah. about that fight with Vinny LeCavalier in the finals, and, and you know, he fought, he fought in two other of those series. He, he just is a consummate guy. I mean, he burst on the scene in the World Juniors, scoring a highlight real goal against the Russians, which, of course, in Canada makes you an instant hero. Anytime you score against the Russians in any type of international hockey. And and uh, then, you know, he was drafted. And, and before he was even got a chance to play for, for the Stars, he, he's traded, right, to Calgary in the Noondike trade. And, and, and so he ends up uh, having that spectacular career with the Calgary Flames. But he's my favorite player, uh, you know, the entire time that he played. And, and uh, I, I wish I could sit down with the guy for half an hour. I just... I just admired the way he played the game. He, he just he didn't take a backward step from anybody, and, mm -hmm. and he was he was no problem dropping the gloves. He was a consummate leader. I mean, you just tell me this isn't a guy that just you just look at him, you see captain written all over him. Yep. I mean, beyond a shadow of a doubt. I think Ottawa's got a guy here like that in Brady Tuchuk. Believe me, he's he's going to be. I said this before. I said it on our show last week. I've said it on other shows. I've guessed it on and stuff. I think this guy is is going to be twice the leader his brother or his dad. At the end of the day, you give him a couple of years here. I know he's 22 already now, but uh, he's not 24, 25 yet. Give him a couple of years for this team to come out, and uh, he's going to be a big part of it. But again, La, Kevin Lowell, consummate, consummate um, competitor. He talked to any of the Oilers from that 80s team. They said he was the most ferocious, intense, hate-to-lose guy on that team. And you say, well, what about Mark Messier? Yeah, well, Mark just, I mean, that's, that, that's why you win. Because you have teams that are made up of six or eight or nine of those guys that yep. are saying... It's like I said to you last week about the Habs, how to get out of this, how to get out of their slump is, is they've got the leadership's gone. They're either sick or injured or whatever. So you've got to find it from within where guys have to sit down and say, not tonight. And last night they did that. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. After Brendan Gallagher got smoked, they said not tonight. And Toffoli came in and smoked with Branson, and then it was on. And who's dropping the gloves? Weidman, of all people. <laughs> He's dropping the gloves with Tanner. Are you kidding me? I mean, it's like David and Goliath. And it wasn't a bloodbath. They didn't go toe-to-toe. The rest jumped in there. But they dropped the gloves. The guys bought in. That's what has to happen. And, and a guy like Kevin Lowe, he bought in, man. Like, here's a guy who's never going to be up for the Norris Trophy ever. Mm. But, you know, he, he, he's recognized. They recognized what he brought to the table. I mean, imagine in the 80s and 90s participating and say, oh, okay, well, it's the Oilers. They were going to win all the time anyway because of Gretzky. But no, you know, Wayne never won another cup. I, I have to remind people all the time. Gretzky played 20 years in the NHL. He played the majority of his time away from Edmonton. Wow. He's only with Edmonton for nine years. That's crazy. When he was with three other way. teams for 11 years, parts wow. of 11 seasons. So, you know, people, oh, yeah, look at the supporting cast he had in Edmonton. What about the other 11 years? He's pretty damn good, too. Like, if Messier doesn't go to the Rangers, uh, Vancouver, and hangs around one more year, maybe, after that run in 97, and that was Wayne Swansong song anyway. But, I mean, uh, you know, I just, I think the world of Kevin Lowe was a competitor. Again, Lowe was my favorite player for years, almost his whole career. Marion Hosa, I mean, the guy, you know, that was kind of, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, that, that contract negotiation here in Ottawa with him and John Muckler, Muckler signs him for three years and then trades him right away in, in the uh, Danny Heatley deal. Hosa, in my mind, I'm telling you right now, that was a bridge deal before people were even using the term. And he, he wanted out. He yeah. was ready to go. He wanted to, he wanted to fly, test his wings, see what else he could do, Danny get, Heatley, whatever. Where are you now? Unbelievable. Yeah. That name. Yeah. But you know what, Paulie? He came here and played on that line with Albertson and Jason Spezza. They called them the pizza line or the money line. Had a bunch of different nicknames here, all internal, mostly in Ottawa. But uh, uh, they, first of all, they were phenomenal. They were unbelievable. He had everything you wanted. He had the engine that drove the line and Daniel Albertson. You had the sniper in Heatley, and and you had the setup guy in Spezza. Like you, you had you had the prototypical line, minus say the real hardcore physicality. But you know, I mean, they're all big guys. Yeah, Alfie was the smallest guy, but his trunk and his legs are massive, and nobody was really pushing him around physically. And Heater and uh, and Jason Spezza are big men. They had it all. You had the right all the components there for the two thousands to light it up, and they did. And they went to the final. You know, they got to a final, and they all led the playoffs in scoring. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, Heatley did his bit here. Everything that happened after happened after he lit it up here. You know, and then you can go down that road. You can down that rabbit hole and get lost. Who else was there? Dougie Wilson. Yeah, Dougie. Well, Dougie's an Ottawa boy, man. I mean, uh, he played for the Ottawa 67s. He played for Brian Kilray. Uh, he went to Memorial Cup in 78. They lost to New Westminster, I guess, no, 77, I guess it was. And and uh, then he's drafted by the Hawks, and and that was a, they lost six five in that final game. It was an unbelievable Memorial Cup, and and uh, Dougie's brother Murray is Murray Wilson, who played for the Montreal Canadiens, <laughs> number seventeen, is a very dear friend of mine, and he won four cups with the Habs before finishing his career in L.A. They're Ottawa guys, man. Wow. Ottawa sixty sevens and Ottawa guys, and and Dougie, of course, is. Has uh, you know been with San Jose forever. I mean, he went there. He was their first captain in the NHL, and then packed it in, and and has been in their management team for what seems like forever, right? So, so uh, good on him, and uh, good on all those guys, and Kim St. Pierre and uh, Kenny Holland. I mean, there's another guy, right? Just, uh, I mean, his legacy is intact. Obviously, what he de- what he did in Detroit, and mm-hmm. and and here he is trying to. 
trying to resurface and do it again, right? So it's this is this is great stuff. It's a it's a good class. I'm happy with it. I'm a whole lot happier with this one than I was the year before with Nedimansky and Yakushev. I just oh, I, I was remember almost those conversations. <laughs> violently, violently, physically ill hearing both those names. And uh, this one here, in so much as that, obviously, I still think guys like Theo Fleury, Alexander McGilney, Steve Larmer, obviously Paul Henderson, Mark Hardy. And, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. I got to keep it Play real every music. day. Play the music. Play the music. You just pushing all the buttons here today. <laughs> Holy lift. Oh, I'm getting the whiskey right now. Well, let's swing into this day in hockey. One of my favorite parts of the show. What do you got yeah. for us today, mate? Woo! There's Mark Hardy in the back there dancing. He's doing a bit of a jig for you. <laughs> I can see him. I can see him at Gus O'Connor's right now. The microphone's just coming down, and I just fired it up. The fiddles are... Yeah. Well, you know what, Paulie? 90 years ago tonight, the Maple Leaf Gardens hosted their first NHL game. So that's pretty cool for this day in hockey. I mean, Maple Leaf Gardens will always be synonymous, um, not only as the home for the Toronto Maple Leafs for all those years, but, you know, until they... Until they sunk into the depths of of irrelevancy, uh, which they've been now for close to five decades, no more than five, uh, they they were one of the top teams in the National Hockey League for years. And whether you loved them or you hated them, uh, Con Smythe, because he had his he had his idiosyncrasies for sure that 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 dismayed some people, but on the ice or in terms of what he put on for a product on the ice, you cannot take a, a second guess from it. He was the, 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 the spearhead behind the building. It's one of the greatest construction stories in Canadian history. That building was built in five months and opened on this day, which I believe was a Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, November 12th, 1931, 90 years ago today, they played the Chicago Blackhawks. At the time, it was the largest attendance ever to see a game in Canada. So I believe it was 13,300 and some, if I'm not mistaken. I may be off by a few. And uh, Chicago, of course, in total Toronto fashion, uh, beat the Leafs that night, <laughs> 2-1. to one. You know, the interesting thing, Paulie, on that Leaf team were two players, Frank Finnegan and King Clancy, and I met them both. And they were in that game 90 years ago. I, I, wow. I find that cool. I mean... I'm no spring chicken. I've been, you know, I've been around and we talked about King quite a bit last week, mm -hmm. but you know, I mean, um, Maple Leaf Gardens deserves its place in history, hockey history, Canadian history. There's despite the Leafs, uh, troubles and Harold Ballard and all the rest, the last, uh, the last 50 years, uh, they, they are, they deserve their place in history. And I used to be, I was a young college student in 1981 22 years of age at Seneca College in Toronto. And um, part of our deal, I took radio and television broadcasting. And we had a, there was a college program and a couple of programs we were able to work on part-time, just volunteer hours. And we used to be able to go down to Maple Leaf Gardens with a crew and do interviews and things of that nature. Probably you've never let this happen today, more than likely, in, mm -hmm. at any of the NHL teams. But at the time, 1981, which was 40 years ago, we were allowed to do this. And I used to go down there, and I, I showed, obviously, such an incredible interest in it, and I had knowledge. These guys found that out very quickly when I talked to them. 
So they would invite me back. And I went back a bunch of times on Hockey Night in Canada in 81, 82. Many, many times on the Saturday night, I was at Maple Leaf Gardens sitting in the broadcast truck with, with Ward Cornell or Bob Goldham. Wow. You know, I, or I would see King Clancy's. I told you earlier, I met him in there in one month, in one 30-day stretch that year. I interviewed King Clancy, Harold Ballard, and Foster Hewitt in 30 days. Wow. All on camera. All on camera. Where's the footage? You know what? It's, 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 uh, we did, we, those are the great big beta tapes they were yeah. called at the time. And, and, uh, black my and buddy white film, right? Black was and white cameraman. Film? It was black and white What's film, that? right? It was black and white film, right? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't. It was color. It was color. <laughs> We use color, but you should have seen the box. We had to carry this thing around in. Yeah. It was, it was, you know, when the expression bigger than a bread box, this thing was massive and it weighed about 80 pounds. And I used to have to lug it, uh, you know, on, on public transportation to get all the way up to where I was staying way up in the Finch and Dufferin area there. in in the, the North part of the city of Toronto, they go all the way downtown with our camera crew. Now, Rob Ritchie had a car and when we could use his car, we could use his car, but there was many times I had to, I had to traipse with that thing in and out of the house where I was staying but uh, when we'd go to school to do the editing, we'd take the camera gear out of it. We'd load the box full of pints. You could get about 17, 18 beers in it. And then we'd carry it up to the editing suite. And then we'd edit the, the show together and we'd drink all night. And then we'd leave around four in the morning. It was so much fun. But I was down at Maple Leaf Gardens all the time, man. I was in the bowels of the building. You know, I saw the old gondola before Foster burnt it, you know, and, or before I should say Harold Ballard burnt it. And, and, uh, when I think back now, I, I feel very lucky and privileged to have had that experience as much as the Montreal forum was my second home and the building I loved next near and dear to my heart, next to my own home. I give credit where it's due at Maple Leaf gardens, which opened 90 years ago today. That's our, this day in hockey deserves its, uh, its place in history. It closed in 1999 for NHL hockey, mm-hmm. which remained open for years. Uh, the Ryerson Rams played their hockey out of there for years and, and it closed February 13th. And what they did was they they brought the, they played the Chicago Blackhawks. This is what they did on opening night. And true to form, the Hawks won the game. <laughs> Six to two. And you know who scored the final goal ever in Maple Leaf Gardens? Bob Probert. Get out, isn't, really? It, isn't that amazing? Yeah, he was a member of the Hawks, February 13, 1999. The guy who got the first goal, November 12, 1931, was Harold Mush March. He got their first ever goal in 1931. And uh, the Hawks won that game two to one. Vic Ripley got the winner. And uh, yeah, that was uh, Maple Leaf Gardens. So I think that's pretty fair this day in hockey. I mean, you got a bunch of other individual stuff. Issa Tikkanen had, had uh, two shorthanded goals in 12 seconds on this day in 1988, the Edmonton Oilers. It's a pretty cool stat. But I, I think it's pretty hard to trump uh, the opening of Maple Leaf Gardens, especially on it's right on 90 years. It's not like 87 or 93 yeah. or whatever, you know, it was 90 years ago today. So. So there you have it, brother. Hey, can Just I tell hockey. you, bringing up uh, Maple Leaf Gardens today and um, Hockey Hall of Fame, I have a little story for you. Yeah. So do you, let me ask you this out, out of the blue, try and get my years straight here. Do you remember the first night that they served alcohol at the Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens? Hold on now. Yeah, because you couldn't get a drink in there at that time. Um, even year? when I was there in the 80s, you couldn't get a beer in there. What, what, what year what? do you think it was? That's a great question. That's a great question. All right. Well, so here you go. <laughs> in ni- I think it was 90. It might have been 92 because I think Kevin Lowe was on the team. So it was January 
It's somewhere, look, everybody listen. We'll go look at this. I have the pictures and all that other stuff. But anyway, it's somewhere around 90, 91, 92. And I think it's 92 because I think that's when Lowell was on the ranges. It was January of that year. Uh, the, I think the Buffalo Bills were, uh, you know, in their second run at the Super Bowl. You know, we're talking NFL today a little bit, having a little laugh. But anyway, me and three of my mates decided to go make a road trip. The Rangers okay. were playing the Sabres on a Friday night at the Old Odd. And then we got tickets to go see the Rangers play the Leafs the next night at awesome. the Gardens. All right? Right. And part of this trip was to go to the Hockey Hall of Fame. Awesome. Now, listen to this. Four idiots from Long Island, New York. We, we fly in. Now, sure enough, who's on the flight going into Buffalo? But John Davidson, Sam Rosen, uh, Delapina, who used to write for the, the yeah. Daily News before he I came into the league. I know who he is. Yeah. So these are all. I'll never forget J.D., man. His face was Red. He had a, a good night session the night before, whatever. But him and Sam Rosen, obviously, were the, the, the TV team at that time. So we go in there. So the game plan was is we would go, we run up to the odd, get two tickets, catch the Rangers and the Sabres. This is when uh, McGillney and LaFontaine were playing on the team, right? Right. And then uh, and, and Van Beesbrook's still on the Nets now for the Rangers, too. It's crazy. This is almost 30-some-odd years ago now. It's nuts. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And then we, we were going to drive up to Toronto – Get in early, go to the Hockey Hall of Fame, get tickets, and then go see the Rangers play the Leafs that night. Okay? So it happened to be the weekend, unbeknownst to us. Now, there's no cell phones. There's no no internet at this time. Nothing. No. So we we drive into Buffalo. As far as I'm concerned, it's the coldest fucking place on the planet. (laughs) (laughs) We get tickets. We had a blast in Buffalo um, to the point where I think Brad May or – Rob Ray or somebody, and, and even uh, Hasek was on the team at the time. And at the Rangers got crushed that night. Uh, okay. LaFontaine and McGillney lit them up. And then uh, after that, we four idiots in Ranger jerseys, and we're at the bar, and we got ripped. But they bought us drinks. We saw them after the game at one of these popular uh, uh, Buffalo Sabres, um, you know, thing. And even after the game, uh, we met some of the Ranger players, too. And I, I'm almost positive low, just joined a team or something like that. So we got a bunch of autographs and all that stuff. So the next day... We're going to Hockey Hall of Fame, baby. We can't wait, right? Yeah. So we, and we go have a great session uh, Friday night in Buffalo, and, and, and then we take off. Boom. Now, we get into the Toronto area, and we're asking everybody, wait, where's the Hockey Hall of Fame? Because you had maps back then. You didn't know where we were going. Yeah. So everybody we asked had no idea. And we were like, what? Are we in Toronto? Is this the, isn't this the hockey mecca of the world? Nobody knows where the Hockey Hall of Fame is. <laughs> yeah, they think it is. So they sent us to, the I guess, the Olympic Park. With the old, they, they sent you to thing, uh, right? yeah the, the CNE the CNE grounds. Okay, so that's yeah. Guess what? We ended up that weekend. That was the weekend they were moving the old hockey hall of fame to the new to one. To the new one. Yeah. On so Front we Street, pull into right? the parking lot right after snow and all that stuff. We get in there and we pull in and then we notice that there's there's no cars in the parking lot. It says hockey hall of fame and you know the big glass windows. To the old yep. Hockey Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. Inside the lobbies, it's got the old logos going around and all stuff. So yeah. we knock on the door, and there's a guy behind the counter. He goes, how can I help you? We're here to see the Hockey Hall of Fame, baby. Four guys from New York. <laughs> um, we're, we're closed. It's, uh, it's, it's being moved. <laughs> so there's no Hockey Hall of Fame right now, right? <laughs> the forest, the idiots, right? So you know what he does? He lets us into the lobby to look no around. Way. 
I mean, those are the pictures we got of just what was left in the old lobby of the old hockey <laughs> hall of fame, man. Uh, then we go to the we go to Leafs game that night. Um, the Rangers got their asses kicked again, but it was the first night they served alcohol at Maple Leafs Garden. No and kidding, we were lucky, right? And somebody from wow. the Toronto Sun caught us at the bar buying drinks, and they asked us to take pictures and stuff. Four of us are all in the Ranger jerseys, right? Yeah. And they said, yeah, you'll be in the paper tomorrow, right? So we, the, after Toronto, we go out, we have a session, all that other stuff. And then, we, of course, next morning, we're heading back to Buffalo to catch the flight. But we're racing down. We pull over to a corner to find the Toronto Sun. Yeah. And hoping we're on the front page. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, we weren't in it. But. <laughs> were you in there trip, at all? Man. Were you in any of the stories? No, Did... nothing. Nothing. No. And they made a big show of us as well. You went, you, you know? You're on the cutting room floor. Yeah. But hey, that's a great memory. We had a fantastic time. First night in Maple Leafs Gardens drinking. I was so, it's one of my greatest things that, because um, I was a big Dougie Gilmore. I still am a big Dougie Gilmore fan. And those yep. early 90s Leafs, fan, uh, Leafs teams and stuff, him and Wendell Clark and you know, the rest of those. See what I mean about the yeah. province of Ontario? Yeah, I mean, how, how archaic was that? You couldn't get a drink. Yeah, man. In, in, in the building. We couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. We got Hammond yeah. in Buffalo at the odd. This <laughs> is crazy. You know something? There was an NHL game, a playoff game, in 1951 uh, between Toronto and Boston in the first round that went uh, into a uh, – they went through a first overtime period. And they had, they had at the time what was called the Blue Law, where you couldn't have any activity happening essentially in the province after midnight. At midnight, everything had to be shut down. Everything. Wow. I mean, everything. This is in 1951. And so they had to, they had to stop the hockey game. They had, they had, they had to stop the game. And, and they, had to, they had to play it the next day. This is a playoff game in the NHL in 1951. I'm not talking 1910 here or yeah, something. Yeah. It's 1951. I know it's a long time ago. But they had this law. You know, that's the way it was a law, an actual law in the province of Ontario. It was nicknamed the Blue Law. It had a more formal name. I don't exactly know what it was. But uh, anyway, that game got uh, postponed because of that playoff game. They had to pick it up. Leafs won. And, and I mean, the Bruins could have won that, maybe changed things, turned things around. Who knows mm. in that series? But the Leafs went on to win, and, and they, they went on to beat Montreal in the final, four games to one. The All five games went to overtime. Leafs, baby. The great days. Leafs won the Stanley Cup. And they 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 weren't even a they were they weren't even a 500 club in the regular season. There's only two teams to win the Stanley Cup and not have a 500 record: the 1938 Blackhawks and the 1951 Leafs. And the Leafs got a break because of the Blue Law. Their game got postponed that they may have lost, possibly turned the series around. And you go to New York 40 years <laughs> later. And you got alcohol served to you, one of the first guys probably ever in that building. I know you. Oh, and you yeah, got that man going for you. I'll tell you, I didn't think of that, Paulie, when you said it. But when I was there in those days, and even when I went as a fan in the 80s, I remember that. You know, you couldn't get a drink. And I just remember thinking how idiotic it was. Of course, by then, I'd already been to a handful of weddings, like as, as I told you, that were shut right down yeah. during dinner. And and so you know, it just you just got so used to it here. The archaic idiocy of uh, the liquor laws in this <laughs> province are, and they're just they're just still just coming out of the dark ages here in some regards in this province. It's better than it's ever been, but it's still we're still behind uh, many many other places. So but good you go. for you, pal. What a memory to have, man. That's yeah. fantastic. 
Don't tell the Leafs fans uh, we went into the bathrooms there and put a hex on the team. That's why they haven't won anything since <laughs> and prior to it. But, uh, okay. Great time. All great right. memories. I was, uh, like Somebody I was... else must have hexed them from 67 <laughs> to 91, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Too much, man. But a great memory. Um, I'm, I'm very happy to say that um, I've been to Maple Leaf Gardens, man. Uh, it was a great building. Yeah, good for you, bud. Good stuff. Good for, good for you. Good for you. All right, mate. Want to switch into our... Irish thought of the day, or yes, sir. Our Irish, uh, our Irish traditional uh, segue here, and I think um, I think you got a good one today. Another well, another, another fave player of mine as well, too. Yeah, uh, how do you not like Owen Nolan? And he's our uh, as if you're new to the show, Paulie and I wrap up each week with um, some type of connection to Ireland to wrap up the show. And it could be anything. Could be a song. Could be a player. Could be a connection with a place somehow related to hockey. Could be any number of ways. Uh, recent Don't arrests worry. of me and Liam. Yes, exactly. Pub, yeah. You know, whatever it takes. <laughs> <laughs> Stories about our own trips there. You never know what's going to break out. Uh, as you heard from uh, Paulie talking about being best man at a wedding in Sligo. I mean, that's you just don't get stories like that on other podcasts. But our pick today is Owen Nolan. He's one of a small handful of guys actually born on the island. He was born in Belfast uh, in 1972. And his parents, his dad actually is Owen Sr., Owen Nolan Sr. And Owen's parents and the family escaped Belfast in 1972. And Paulie, I don't have to tell you how hot it was there at that time with sectarian violence, with all of the parties, uh, not just the IRA, but uh, the, uh, you know, the um, uh, Royal Ulster, uh, uh, the RUC and Mm -hmm. the British Army, of course, were there. And it was a mess, right? It was it was not not a good time. And they got their young family out of there and they settled in a town called Thorold in Ontario. And. Owen uh, actually was a big football baseball guy. He didn't really start skating until he was nine years old, which is by Canadian standards is about six years late. (laughs) Most Canadians are on skates for three or four, but he got going right away and was always a good sized kid was a star all the way up and, and uh, came out of the, um, came out of the Cornwall Royals and, and uh, drafted first overall. I mean, this was in a run The, the Quebec Nordiques, were the forerunners of the Edmonton Oilers, right? The Nordiques had three first-round picks in a row. Matt Sundin, Owen Nolan, and Eric Lindros. I mean, some would say that's a pretty good nucleus to build yeah. a team around, you know? Yep. But somehow they ended up moving all three of those guys before they won a Stanley Cup as Colorado. Figure that Amazing, out. Now, yeah. in the case of Owen Nolan, you know, was boy, he's one of those guys. It makes me think of Mike Gartner. You think of your New York Rangers in 1994 at the trade deadline, move Mike Gartner or oh, Glenn heart, Love guards. You, you think of how Andy played for you guys, though, Polly. I mean, he came in and just was such a – he was like a just another piece of that puzzle yep. under Mike Keenan, just mm-hmm. the way Neil Smith, the way that Ranger team was at that time. And you think of, 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 um, of the Colorado Avalanche moving Owen Nolan, who was a fan favorite. I mean, this guy was a, was a hit with that team. And they move him for Sandus Oselinch, who was a – I mean – this guy was just a sniper on the back end, you know. He quarterbacked that power play. He was an outstanding contribution to the team. Uh, in fact, he's got, he holds the NHL record for the highest shooting percentage by a defenseman ever in one season, Santa Solzlinch. So this is the guy they traded for him. I mean, Owen bounced around the rest of his career, you know, and uh, he played a bu- with a bunch of teams and had some big years. Like, he'll forever probably be remembered mostly as a San Jose Shark. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, he, had a, he played in a bunch of all-star games. 
He was runner-up to Mark Recchi for the MVP of the All-Star Game in 1997. That's the one where he had a hat-trick, and on his third goal, he did the call shot on the breakaway on Dominic Hasek. Everybody remembers that, right? Absolutely. He said, I'm going right there, baby, top corner. He went in, and he sniped it. Nailed it. Over Hasek. I mean, come on. But, you know, uh, he had 72 fights in his career, over 400 goals. He didn't play 1,000 games. He didn't have 1,000 points. Actually, he did play. Yeah, he had 1,200 games, but he didn't have 1,000 points. Didn't score 500 goals. But, uh, you know, everywhere he went, even the years, whether it be Toronto or some of the other teams, he didn't have, like, big seasons. He was he was beloved. I mean, he he he, he kind of was a sort of a, a poorer man's Jerome McGinley, you know, in, in yeah. that. He talked about Jerome going in the hall. So I just think it's an amazing story when you think about it, how well-versed you are about the Irish history, particularly at that time, and your own connection, myself as well. We're very proud of that, which is why we have this Irish thing to wrap up every week. And I think of his family. I've never met them. Leaving Belfast, where his folks were born and raised, Polly, and taking their young family out in 1972, coming here to make a new life Mm -hmm. for themselves in Canada with a young family. The guts, the balls, the 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 uh, you know the bravado, the determination to to be able to get it done, and then for him to turn around and end up making it to the highest level of that sport of hockey. I I just think it's a fabulous uh, story with an Irish connection, and he's very very proud of his Irish heritage. Anytime he's been asked about it, he champions it many many times. He's been he's been the parade marshal at numerous. Uh, St. Patrick's Days, various cities he's lived in and this and that over his time. And and by the way, they left from the Falls Road area, okay? So you know what that means. I know what that means in 1972. And so kind of, you know, you know where, his, where, their, where their heart lay. And yep. they, they got out for what they felt was the safety of the family. So I just think it's a fabulous story for us today to finish. And uh that's our guy. That's our Irish connection on Sticks did you, and Taps. Did you mention oh, his middle name? Did you mention his middle name? I didn't. What? What's How his middle I name? Forget? How could I forget? <laughs> Owen Liam ah, Nolan. Ah, there you go. Owen Liam Nolan. Good looking fella too, Owen like Liam. yourself. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, man. Uh, Liam, there was only like two in Ottawa back in the 60s and 70s. I swear <laughs> to God. There was one of them at my high school. I think his name was Liam McKay. There ended up being another Liam McGuire that worked at a Canadian Tire in the 90s. Uh, and, uh, and and then all of a sudden, boom! It was like, <laughs> Liam's everywhere. I mean, I had three of them on, on one hockey team. On one of my son's hockey team, we had three Liams one year. I mean, wow. not including me. I mean, I had three players. It was that's ridiculous. A, that's it's very crazy. popular name, man. Crazy. But uh, anyways, I loved it. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly how many I might be responsible for. But, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, there you have it. Pretty popular name. <laughs> hey, real quick. Uh, what was the, the GM back then of the, uh, the Nordiques and the Avalanche? Pierre uh, Lacroix or something, I believe? Pierre Lacroix, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, he was fantastic. And he recently passed, didn't he? Yes. Not too long ago, right? Not that long ago, yeah. Yeah, he did. That reminds me. Yeah, better... Uh, Better, uh, where's, there's my shot glass. Yeah, I want to get ready. ready. Our little and, you, know, uh, you, you speak on Owen Nolan and the, uh, the moves there that they made. And, and I was, I moved to Denver, Colorado the same year the Quebec Nordiques became the Colorado Avalanche. 
Just celebrated the Rangers Stanley Cup there, and then the Devils win in 95. I moved to Colorado, and I'm, you know, I'm a huge guy from New York and big hockey fan, right? And when they yeah. made that move, I said, you got to be shitting me. They're coming here? And I live here now? So sure enough, buddy, my stay in Colorado that year, and I was at the parade. And I went to the games when the Rangers came into McNichols Arena. It was yeah. A, one of my... It was just a, a, you couldn't make it up as far as a great year. I had worked at a, a great sports bar down in downtown uh, Denver, right across the street from the brand new course field that they had just built there. Yeah. And the Avalanche came in. So, and we were a very popular sports bar. So when Chicago would come in, those great teams back then with Roenick and, and I met all, I met Recky Forsberg. I met all these guys, you know, and it was just amazing. But what a, yeah. it was so sad, obviously, for the city of Quebec. And I, I wish somehow I could get the team back there again. But, Man, it was a magical year, obviously. Uh, what a team. Uh, Crawford and all those guys, the names we could roll on and on and on about that year. And Rawa coming. It was just absolutely beautiful. And, and Denver as a city, obviously, it had the Rockies years before. Right. But Denver now was growing. A lot of people were moving into Denver. They'd just been built uh, Denver International Airport. So it was, it was starting to become this up-and-coming City again. They always had the Broncos and stuff, but they just got the Rockies and they had the Nuggets, and now they have a National Hockey League team and one of the most. Obviously, they went on to win the Cup, but and a couple more. But one of the most talented teams in the NHL drops into their laps right there in the yeah. Rocky Mountains, baby. <clears throat> and I was there for it all. Uh, just another great memory. But Pierre was um, he was fantastic. The moves. Well, the guys, they made the, the trade, trade right. Made. Yep. Montreal picked up Patrick Waugh, and that 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 cemented it. I, I mean, I don't think they win the Stanley Cup no, without him. And, not at all. And they already were a burgeoning superstar team with Sackick and Forsberg and, and you know, guys like Deadmarsh. And you look at uh, foot soldiers like Mike Ricci and Sean Podine and Chris Simon, and then you turn around, you got superstar Hall of Famers. you got a defense anchored by, a, you know, a giant German and Yui Krupp, and yeah. you got uh, – you know, you got Adam Foote, who just yep. was uh, just an absolute rock back there on D. I mean, they had all the Claude pieces. Lemieux. And... Trouble Claude Lemieux. Claude Lemieux. I mean, Those I'll tell you. series with the wings. Oh. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Hockey history, man. That's yeah. fantastic. Look at your stuff, man. You're at Maple Leaf Gardens, the first time they ever sell alcohol. And you're in McNichols. You're in, you're in Denver when Colorado wins that cup. You caught some great stuff, brother. You I caught some do, great man. stuff. I did, man. That's I'm good blessed, stuff. You know. I'm blessed, don't you know? <laughs> yeah, I do. All I right, do, buddy. Sure. Firing up some whiskey in the jar. And before we end this session and move on to the next pub, it's time for our Irish toast. What yes, do you sir. say there, Mr. McGuire? Well, I say this. I say that uh, uh, I'm going to toast. Um, I know there's a, a memorial happening at a Junior A game in Kingston tomorrow night for the late Larry Mavity. So I want to get a toast out to him. Definitely want to toast uh, Colby Cave and his memory. That fantastic um, scene last night in Boston with his wife Emily dropping the puck and the uh, all the hugging later uh, the, with the entire Bruin team and a number of the Oilers who, who who gave her very very heartfelt, passionate embraces. You could tell. So I want to toast Colby's memory. And it is the day after Remembrance Day. We covered it off last year, but I had such a spectacular day yesterday. Um, at the service, the Cenotaph in Manatic, which was very well attended. And then I hit the uh, the Manatic Legion, South Carlton Legion, Branch 314. Then I was at the Westboro Legion, Branch 462, my good friend Donnie Miller. I was with uh, Ron McLean, Ottawa, Ron McLean, not Hockey Night in Canada, Ron McLean. Uh, during the day, he's retired, RCMP, Mountie. So I want to toast the vets one more time. 
And that's who I'm toasting, Polly, as we uh, we shut her down today. All those people. Good stuff, and good on you, man, for getting making the rounds there yesterday. I mean, uh, unfortunately, I had a busy day myself. But you know, when we get out and play, and we do a lot of songs, and when we when the band plays, and we stop, we always pause and and thank our veterans and stuff there. But uh, good marks on you and actually showing up and and doing it, man. I, I commend you to that. So my Irish toast is to you, Mister Liam McGuire. What for showing the good respect there for. Our veterans there on Remembrance Day yesterday. Cheers to you, mate. Hey, buddy. Thank, thank you very much. I uh, I just drilled that one back, and um, you know you know what that tasted like? Tell me. Another. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. That's good. Well, it is Friday, ladies and gentlemen. So you can bet your yes, it is, boys bet and girls. Your gosh, you where will we you find you later? Show sticks and tops, and you get out there tonight and cause some serious havoc wherever you're going. <laughs> Buddy, love doing this with you every week, man. It's always a great time. Big thanks to all our listeners, our audience. You guys have been great. We're seeing you. Thank you so much. Say hi to us on Twitter. Follow us everywhere at Sticks and Taps. We appreciate it. So um, with that said, Liam, as always, please say goodbye oh, to the to lads the and lasses. Listeners. To the good listeners for tuning in this week. Thank you, as Polly said, to everybody for listening. We'll catch you next week. Good day. Oh.